Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Great guests later, Will Brinson on the NFL, Eric McLean from the ACC Network on the Clemson LSU national title game. Got to wait till Monday for that. Other college football as well. Mike DeCourcy is going to drop by the Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. Huge day in college basketball as well. Matt Rule is being announced as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And just as billionaire owner David Tepper, on a one-day trip to Waco, Texas, where Matt Rule was the head coach of the Baylor Bears, came out of that face-to-face meeting saying, Matt Rule is my guy. Our next guest had a similar experience about a decade and a half or so ago. Kent Briggs is a former NC State Wolfpack football assistant coach. He actually recently led Cherokee High School to the state championship back in 2017. He's now retired, but he was also well-known as the Western Carolina Catamounts head football coach. And guess what? One of the assistants he hired in Cullowee was a younger guy named Matt Rule. Coach Kent Briggs, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How did you know? I, I read that you knew in five minutes that Matt Rule was somebody you wanted on your staff. How did you know so quickly? Well, you could just tell. You know, some guys you can meet that you just get a film for or people you meet, which don't happen very, you know, very often. But all of a sudden somebody comes in, you go, dang, he's got what it takes to, to make our program better. Uh, to work with our young athletes. And, you know, he just had that sense about him. And, you know, he's a great communicator. Uh, as I learned, you know, just in a, just a short amount of time, he was a great motivator. But he really connects with, uh, with people very well, connects with players very well. They, uh, you know, they buy into him. Uh, you know, he, he builds a trust uh, in, in, in his players that, to me, is, is the, the ultimate thing as far as coaching. I mean, if you don't get trust, you're not going to get much accomplished. And that's probably the biggest thing that coaches try to do is build trust. And I could tell right from the start he was that kind of person. Um, and it, it, as I, you know, I hired him as a linebacker coach. But then a few days later, I, you know, I put him at, you know, our special teams coordinator. And you know, our first special teams meeting, I mean, he had everybody wanting to be a part of the special teams. His <laughs> enthusiasm, uh, you know, and, and back back in it was 2003. You know, special teams was still kind of the, uh, you know, not the most important part of your game. I mean, it was, you know, offense, defense, then some special teams. Yeah. But as, as it is now, I mean, special teams is a tremendous part. In fact, it's a difference maker. And it, it was just beginning to happen like that in, in the football world. And Matt was was on the cutting edge of that. I mean, he was, you know, he was sold to all our players that, man, I got to be a part of the punt team. I got to be a part of the kickoff team. When we got out of that meeting, I mean, everybody was enthusiastic. And, you know, eventually the next couple of years, you know, I just, you know, kept getting more responsibilities because everything that he did, you know, he did so well. And, you know, he went from an off, you know, from a linebacker coach. And I came up to him, uh, you know, our last year together, said, you know, I'd, I'd like for you to be our offensive line coach. And that was a complete different domain. You know, he'd always been on defense. And uh, he took that role and did a tremendous job and did the research and came back and had a, a great year in 2005 and, and I actually ended up you know, naming him assistant head coach because I thought he had potential to just be a great leader in, in the big picture, not just you know in position-wise or uh, coordinating a, a team, but also in the big picture. So I don't know. I just see it right from the start. So when he went to Temple, you know, Temple and, and got the job, hit job there, it went down to, to Waco. I was thinking, you know, gosh, when he gets his interview, 
you know, I won't be surprised if he'll get those jobs. And then when I heard he was going to Carolina, you know, for an interview, and then the Giants later, I, I just knew that he was going to get one of those jobs because, you know, when you get around him and, you know, you can see how, you know, how he operates and, you know, his personality. Um, so anyway, it you know, held to be true. So I guess I was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, several years ago, yeah. my decision to hire him. So. Kent Briggs saw, let's see, what is that, 18 years ago, what David Tepper saw earlier this week on his trip to Waco. Coach Briggs was the head coach of the Catamounts of Western Carolina from 2002 through 2007. Matt Rule was on his staff for the bulk of that time. It feels like, Coach, you know, I remember you as a Wolfpack assistant. It feels like 90% of the coaches that we get to know are only in one phase of the game or maybe two of the three phases of the game. Um, Coach Rule, with you in Cullowee, but also at other coaching stops, is that rarity? And, and is it that unusual in your experience? Few guys that I can think of have special teams backgrounds and offensive backgrounds and defensive backgrounds. It just seemed maybe even like one out of a hundred coaches. Is that how it has been for you? And how would you put into words, you know, the kind of advantage that get, that gives Matt Rule now that he's an NFL head coach? Well, you know, first of all, you're exactly right. I mean, most coaches, you know, spend their their career on one side of the you know yeah. ball, and uh, you know, just because they get you know they get really good at their at their position, they get they become experts in their area and get real comfortable with that. And, you know, then they get their jobs because of their experience. And so their experience just keeps gaining because of the, you know, the side, the side of football, their own, their offense or defense and get the reputation and also love for, you know, position too. I mean, it makes a big difference too. And why you stay in it, but Matt, I mean, he was one that always wanted something new and different, you know, and more challenging. And, you know, to his, benefit i mean i think it gives you a great perspective of the overall picture and if you're a head football coach i mean you guys you got to see the whole picture and you got to be able to you know recognize not necessarily always coach but it'd be great if you could coach every position but i said you got to be able to recognize what's important in those positions and when you're hiring people or you're making sure you're holding them accountable you know what's going on so i think that gave matt a real hands-on because he'd been I mean, heck, there's no, there's so much difference in a linebacker coach and an offensive line coach. Um, and tremendous amount of difference. And so the, the types of personalities that you get a chance to coach are different. So you get a, a big, broad view of your whole team and, and all people's on, all the players on your team. And especially in special teams, because you're getting, you know, you're pulling from the whole, you know, your whole group of, uh, of players to be on the special teams and, so I think that that's given him a real big advantage in his, you know, his career already. And then obviously NFL, I mean, it takes it to another level with that. But, you know, going from college to NFL, one thing I know about Matt, I've seen him work with really good players. You know, he's got this, I don't know, this kind of a gift to really connect. So I don't think it matters if you're a high school player, college player, or a pro player. You know, they're going to buy into what he's, what he's teaching because they're going to trust him and I think that's going to be a big advantage for him yeah and you kind of led me into my next question when I picture you coach 
you know, taking over at Cherokee High School. And congratulations on your state championship from a few years ago. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you just had the ultimate street cred. I'm old enough to know that you were a star quarterback at A.C. Reynolds High School. So you've got kind of the player-to-player street cred, even if only their moms and dads remembered you doing that kind of thing. But you also spent time with the, with the Wolfpack. Right? Yeah, grandparents. You spent time with the Wolfpack, so that's kind of street cred at, at the Power 5 level. Level. You're a head coach at Western Carolina. That's more street cred. So I imagine those Cherokee high school football players looked at you with like wide eyes and the ultimate respect, etc. These NFL players are grown men, many of them with families, you know, some of them making as much money as the coach does. Do you have any concern that uh, or what would be the keys to making sure his authenticity translates? Because I believe it's one out of his 21 years, Matt Rule, were at the college le- uh, or at the NFL level. So 20 out of 21 uh, was Baylor and Temple. And of course, his time at you at West with you at Western Carolina and some of his other college stops. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that you, you know you said that about Cherokee, because I, I really kind of took it for granted that my credentials, you know, college credentials and being a coordinator, doing this, being a head coach, I'd walk into Cherokee and they would be big eyed and go, "Hey, whatever you tell me, I'm gonna do," and I found that to be completely wrong. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't really, to be honest with you, they didn't really give a crap what I've done, you know, and where I've been and what you know. Like I tell us, like when I was in the state, we did this or blah 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 blah. Yeah. You know, it really it didn't make a difference. And for the first year or so, we struggled. And you know, just the relationships that you know I, we had to build with each other, uh, the trust was the difference. I mean, that that's what I learned about it. It was like it wasn't about my credentials; it was about their trust in me and me trusting them. And when that happened, after about a year and a half things completely changed. And you know, we went from, you know, a team that was struggling to, you know, a playoff team and next year we went to state, you know, state championship. But it was all about, you know, players buying into yeah. what you what they believe in you and what you're trying to give to them. So Matt going in with whatever credentials he has, which is really, you know, really top notch credentials, but they meet those guys every day. There's not a coach that don't probably cross their paths that don't have great credentials. Um it's going to be about them trusting Matt on what he wants to bring or what he can bring to them to make them be successful. And I think that's what his magic has been, is that he's translated that to his players and to his staff and to the people that hired him, that you know, he's, you know, he's going to give them something that they need that's going to help them be successful because that's what the whole deal is. It's about what can you do for me to help me be as good as I can be. And that's going to be his challenge, but I think that's something that's going to be something that's going to be very natural for him. I think that's what's going to make him successful there. Kent Briggs is joining us on the David Glenn Show. I saw, Coach, that you spoke with Ed Harden, very proud Western Carolina guy, for his piece in the Greensboro News and Record. I hate when Ed always beats me to the punch. He called Coach Briggs before we thought of calling Coach Briggs, although this is our first live show since we got the Matt Rule News, so uh, we weren't too far behind. Uh, Ed Harden joked that, you know, with his $60 million contract, Matt Rule could now buy all of Cullowee, North Carolina, if he wanted to. Well, no, how do no you process doubt. a number yeah. like that, given your roots in Asheville and Cullowee and all, all over our great state? 
There's no way I can process that, really, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the funny thing, well, it's just funny, but at the time when I hired him, I did pay him pretty good. It was about the upper 20s. <laughs> okay? and, and then I, you know, I kept bumping him up because I kept looking for money to, because I kept getting more responsibilities. And I bet he left there with, you know, middle 30s, and he was one of the highest paid guys I had on my staff. Wow. So perspective of $60 million, $70 million compared to, you know, 30000 and not working any less, really. Right. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it don't matter if you're a high school coach or a pro coach. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're working, you're working full blast all the time, fully committed to, you know, to be, have any chance for success. So it wasn't about how much time he put in, but it was just, you know, that was just the way it was. Yep. But he had a house in our neighborhood, and, you know, it was a young, you know, he had a young family, and just like everybody does, they go, you know, fix the toilets and mow the lawn, yeah. do all those kind of things. But everybody, you know, obviously you get people to do that more now, but uh, it's definitely $60 million, million is, I can't even imagine. <laughs> you know, $1 million is, you know, kind of out of my way. Yeah, right. Uh, hey, it was interesting that David Tepper, the Panthers owner, mentioned that uh, Coach Rule's upbringing and just sort of down-to-earth nature, he mentioned that they were both short-order cooks, as young men, you know, obviously prior to their great wealth. And, and I think that kind of, I don't know, shared blue-collar background helped them uh, hit it off. One last thing for you, Coach, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. We have a statewide platform where I know a lot of people uh, from your roots in Asheville, we're heard on ESPN Asheville, uh, wonder about you since you retired just last year. A lot of Wolfpack fans listen to our show. A lot of Western fans listen to our show. Uh, I know you were diagnosed with cancer. I know you talked about wanting to turn the page and just sort of celebrate or explore life in different ways after all those decades where football was your well, one of your focuses uh, if it's not too personal just what can you share about what's going on in your life how you're feeling how you're doing because it's great to hear your voice here on the David Glenn show well I appreciate it. I, pre I appreciate you know again you know just you know caring enough to ask me those questions sure um well actually you know you know, physically, uh, you know, the cancer, I still, there's little things I have to kind of battle. But uh, as far as that, I, everything is really heading in, in, so far in a good direction. So I feel very blessed with that. But, you know, again, I, I have spent most of my you know, life and career in football. And, you know, it's a commitment, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it, you know, you can't just go out there and coach a few days and do something else the next day. You got to do it. You got to be all in. And, you know, I felt like I wanted to do something else in my life, but I didn't want to give up, you know, what I've gained as far as experience and knowledge and things like that. So I've got the opportunity. I've had the opportunity last semester. I'm getting ready to do another semester here at Western Carolina, and I'm teaching a couple courses. Cool. One of them is Principles of Coaching. And, I'm, you know, I'm teaching, you know, the, the people in my class are all potential coaches in the future. And it's been so fun because I've taken – so many things I've learned from other people and the trial and error experiences for me and I mean, things that I can relate to that, you know, hey, I've actually, you know, experienced and just funny things and hard things uh, that's really helped me, you know, kind of grow. And it's, it's been good for me to go, well, I'm not coaching football, but I feel like I'm still giving to football because football has given me so much. And I feel like I can share some things that were shared with me. And uh, so I'm teaching uh, another class this this uh, spring, so I'm getting a chance to do that, and I really, uh, I, I really, it's kind of giving my football fix for time. Yeah. You know, as far as you know, my chance to, you know, 
get in front of guys and, or ladies and, you know, just, you know, talk about, you know, the aspects of coaching. So I've been very blessed to have that opportunity here at Western. It's kind of going full circle from a student years ago to coming back and be able to, to teach. Uh, it's been a real rewarding for me. I feel very blessed to have that opportunity. That's a great update. That's I'm at. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. And, and certainly thanks for answering our call here at the David Glenn Show. Continued best wishes with your health and with your career. And thanks again for uh, shedding a little more light on this Matt Rule story that has so many Panthers fans excited right now. Well, thank you very much for uh, for reaching out to me. Appreciate it. it. I know Matt will do great, and I'm very proud of him. Thanks, man. Coach Kent Brooks, formerly of the NC State Wolfpack, formerly of Cherokee High School, state champions in 2017. And, of course, those six years as the head coach of the Western Carolina Catamounts with that Matt Rule guy on his staff for, I think it was four of those six years before Coach Rule moved on to even bigger, better things and even more lucrative opportunities like his seven-year $60 to $70 million deal, depending on incentives that are hit. Kent Briggs, the first of four guests today on the David Glenn Show. Great insight for a guy who knew Matt Rule well and when, as the saying goes. Mike DeCourcy on College Hoops later this show. Duke visits Georgia Tech. Wake hosts Florida State tonight. NC State hosts Notre Dame. Pitt visits North Carolina. Every ACC road game, of course, is a potential trap, but the Blue Devils are playing the best basketball of anybody in the ACC and arguably the nation. The other three are at home, but they face tricky opponents. Wake hosting the number 10 Seminoles, State hosting the Notre Dame Fighting Irish that just beat Syracuse in the Dome, Pitt under Jeff Capel, an improved program by a lot compared to what it was under Kevin Stallings. The Panthers have NCAA tournament dreams, and for a change, the Tar Heels are in a weird place where depending on when Cole Anthony returns from his injury and how the Tar Heels rally around his return, Carolina could be one of those that ends up on the NCAA tournament bubble. There are four and only four ACC teams that look NCAA tournament worthy as we speak. Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and I know they lost last night, but UVA has been more good than bad. After that, others will make the NCAA tournament. They're not going to be only stuck at four entries. But there are about six to eight candidates to become NCAA tournament worthy. The rest of this month will matter a lot when it comes to resume building. Deeks, Florida State, Pack, Notre Dame, Heels against Pitt. All three of those, again, here on North Carolina soil. Questions and comments about college basketball are certainly welcome. More of my thoughts on the various journeys of those teams and others in our backyard. Here's the NFL question of the day if you're just joining us. What team, coach, or player will be under the most scrutiny this weekend and why as the Vikings visit the 49ers? And the Seahawks visit the Packers on the NFC side. It's Titans at Ravens and Texans at Chiefs on the AFC side. Lamar Jackson is in the process of being named the NFL MVP, but he also flunked his playoff debut a year ago at this time. The Ravens lost to the Chargers, and the Ravens offense, including Lamar Jackson, was woeful for most of that game. Hence the scrutiny on Lamar on Saturday evening as the Ravens host the Titans. Andy Reid is my silver medalist. He's 61 years old. He's sixth all-time in NFL coaching victories, counting the playoffs. But he's only been to the Super Bowl once, and he didn't win it. He has 
15 trips to the playoffs in his 21 years as a head coach with the Eagles and the Chiefs. He can't lose at home on Sunday afternoon to the Houston Texans as the favorite, as the home team, and as one of the favorites now that Patrick Mahomes is healthy again to win this year's Super Bowl. Andy Reid has only one thing missing from his resume, and that is about the only thing that will put aside his doubters and critics. Who else? What team, coach, or player will be under the most scrutiny this weekend in the NFL playoffs and why? You can be next. Justin Williams is back with the Carolina Hurricanes. You can chime in with your question or comment on that. Tom Brady has spoken via Instagram. He will turn 43 years old this summer, and he spoke again about his future on that social media post. Anthony Davis of the L.A. Lakers had a scary fall last night. The MRI results are back for one of LeBron's key teammates. More on those headlines with more of your phone calls. Great guests later, Will Brinson on the NFL, Eric McLean on college football, Mike DeCourcy on college hoops. You can be next with your question or comment, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. One thing I promised, Tom Brady has spoken. He will turn 43 years old this summer. He did say recently, highly unlikely that he will retire. How many bigger stories are there in the 2020 calendar year in sports than what arguably the greatest quarterback of all time decides to do? And it's not just his decision. We've heard Tom say, highly unlikely to retire, despite being... 43 this August, I think it is. We've heard Bob Kraft say he's got to be either a New England Patriot or he's going to retire. Well, if TB12 says probably not going to retire and Kraft says got to be a Patriot, right? If he doesn't retire and he owns the team, you would think that would be where the heavy money is. Well, it might not be that simple in part because Bill Belichick, who might as well be C-3PO from Star Wars when it comes to unsentimental unemotional decisions like seriously marty herney got in trouble in his first gm tenure with the carolina panthers for being too sentimental giving guys the franchise loved too many dollars that were not justified under the rules of the salary cap next thing you know you keep all the guys that you have sentimental feelings for but then you don't have enough money to pay everybody else part of belichick's success is that he can be robotic when it comes to evaluating even the most beloved players in Panthers history. Now, somebody like Kraft will say, hey, Mr. Robot, I know your way has helped us win a lot, but if you're ever going to allow a little wiggle room for consideration beyond pure metrics, analytics, performance, efficiency, yeah, Tom's not what he once was, but the Patriots' decline on offense certainly had to do with a lot more factors than just Tom Brady's decline. What Brady said today didn't kind of put a bow on anything, but he made clear as he did after the playoff loss last weekend, quote, I know I still have more to prove. 
I'm not on Instagram, so I wish TB12 put this on Twitter instead. Darren, I'll just have to borrow from your Instagram post. Are you on Instagram? I don't even know. Are I we am. on Instagram? I don't I, know. We are not as a show. Right, no. I, didn't, I didn't think we were. <laughs> uh, you know, 20 years in, I should probably know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just wanted to say to all of our fans, Brady posted, thank you. After a few days of reflection, I am so grateful and humbled by the unconditional support you've shown me in the past two decades. Running out of that tunnel every week is a feeling that is hard to explain. I wish every season ended with a win, but that's not the nature of sports or life. Nobody plays to lose, but the reward for working hard is just that, the work. This sounds like a pre-show inspirational speech from us here at the David Glenn Show. Tom continues, I have been blessed to find a career I love. We would say that as well. Teammates who go to battle with me, that's how I look at you, Darren and Will. An organization that believes in me. I feel that way most of the time. And fans who have been behind us every step of the way. Every one of us that works at Gillette Stadium strived to do their best, spent themselves at a worthy cause, and prepared to fail while daring greatly. Gives a hat tip to Teddy Roosevelt, because that's a famous quote from Teddy. And for that, we've been rewarded with something the scoreboard won't show. The satisfaction of knowing we gave everything to each other in pursuit of a common goal. Isn't this how we wrap up every edition of the David Glenn Show? We <laughs> Almost em- word for word. We it's emptied, he, that's his version of we <laughs> emptied the effort bucket for the last yep. three hours for the good citizens and sports fans of North Carolina. Brady finishes, that is what TEAM, all caps, is all about. In both life and football, failure is inevitable. You don't always win. You can, however, learn from that failure, pick yourself up with great enthusiasm, and place yourself in the arena again. And that's right where you will find me, TB12 closes with, because I know I still have more to prove. Doesn't sound like a guy is going to retire. That is going to be a fascinating clash of the titans. Bob Kraft wants to figure out a way to keep Tom Brady. His contract is expiring, of course. He's a free agent come technically March whatever. There are some complications involved, but Belichick basically is the only real potential stumbling block to make making sure that Tom Brady will finish his career in the same uniform that he started his NFL career. Speaking of the NFL... One of our favorites, CBS Sports senior NFL writer, Will Brinson, is joining us on the other side. He also does great work on the Pick 6 podcast. We'll ask him our question of the day. What team, coach, or player will be under the most scrutiny this weekend in the NFL playoffs and why? I don't think you can top Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson or Chiefs head coach Andy Reid for the reasons I explained earlier. But there are others, great TV audiences. Last weekend for the NFL in wildcard action, huge audiences expected once again for Vikings Niners, Titans Ravens, they're Saturday, Texans at Chiefs and Seahawks at Packers, they will be Sunday. Will Brinson on all things NFL, next on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to go back to racing. (laughs) Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Glenn Show. 
Great guests still to come in about 60 minutes. Mike DeCourcy on really a fun-filled night in college basketball. Duke at Georgia Tech. Wake State and Carolina all at home, also hosting ACC games. More on college hoops with DeCourcy. Your phone calls welcome on that topic later as well. Eric McLean, former team captain for the Clemson Tigers, now with the ACC Network, will drop by to talk Clemson, LSU, and other college football. Jamie Newman, quarterback transfer, is checking out Oregon and Georgia and Washington and Miami and Maryland and other places after deciding that he is leaving Wake Forest for what will be a grad transfer year. And, of course, joining us now, as promised, the guy who helps run the Pick 6 podcast and is an ex outstanding senior NFL writer for CBSSports.com. Will Brinson, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Hope you're doing well. Happy uh, Happy New Year. Yes, I think that's for... okay. It's only January 8th. Uh, your, your sentiments are always appreciated by us. Happy New Year to you and yours as well. Uh, before we get into Matt Rule of the Panthers and Tom Brady's future, etc., when you look forward to these four matchups this weekend, NFL divisional round action, I asked our statewide audience what team, coach, or player will be under the most scrutiny this weekend and why. Lamar Jackson's getting a lot of votes. Andy Reid is getting a lot of votes. Uh, who else, and you can talk about them if you like as well, who else comes to mind just in terms of the narrative of you better win this weekend or there's going to be an ugly conversation surrounding you? Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would probably apply as well, right? Making his first career start, has a, a big old contract that he's gotten, um, has mostly shrugged off the doubters that San Francisco got to be the number one seed, played well down the stretch. Um, you know, already has two Super Bowl rings, so it's not like he's chasing glory here. But, I mean, you know, he would probably like to win a playoff game as a starter. And I, I think, you know, when you look at San Francisco, they have been dealt a really good hand in terms of, um, you know, the, the Saints have been eliminated. They're drawing the sixth seed in the Vikings, uh, who are, you know, playing on a short week and going all the way out there. They're seven-point favorites, so people expect them to win. This is a team that's dominated throughout the regular season. And, you know, I don't, I don't think, like, Jimmy G's going to be in trouble in terms of getting cut right. or anything. And Kyle Shanahan is, you know, fine in terms of his job security now. But I do think that if, like, Jimmy G goes out and lays an egg, Against the against the Vikings and looks poor in, a, in in that game, then I think people will sort of put their ears up in the air and start to say, "All right, like you know, should we be questioning where the 49ers stand at quarterback? Do they have enough to get over the top, et cetera, et cetera?" Just sort of the nature of those games, those big playoff games. Um, even though you know first time starters don't typically fare well because it's a different atmosphere, I wouldn't be surprised at all if. Uh, Jimmy G got some heat if they managed to lose this game. Well put. Will Brinson, find his work at CBSSports.com. On Twitter, he is at Will Brinson. I personally would be surprised if the Titans went to Baltimore and beat the Ravens or if the Texans went to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. I'm not sure what to expect on the NFC side of things. My question to you is, of the visitors, Vikings, Titans, Texans, and Seahawks, who has the best chance to win this weekend and why? Well, uh, I'll take the Vikings only because I'm, I'm picking the Vikings. I, I, I wussed out and I didn't pick them last week. Mm -hmm. Even though they were my preseason Super Bowl pick, I liked them to, to keep it close. I thought they had a chance to win. And I, I got scared. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, shame, look, shame on me. And I'll, I'll probably get burnt for, for backtracking this week and going back to the Vikings. But I really do think – and look, one of the concerns with that game 
and I'll, I'll touch on the Titans really quickly too, but one of the concerns of the Vikings game is that their issues this season have been in terms of pass protection for Kirk Cousins on the offensive line. And if you can get after them in, in that aspect, and really disrupt Cousins and, and disrupt that offense and force them to be one-dimensional and slow down the run, you can snuff out their offense. We've seen it at times. And so San Francisco's strength being the defensive line is a big concern. But I, I think that the, the Vikings played really well on both sides of the ball in the trenches last week. Having Adam Thielen back is a huge, huge plus for Kirk Cousins in the play-action game. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook being back is enormous as well. And so I just think that – they're probably being a little undervalued going out there. You know, we talk about Garoppolo in his first start and Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, these guys are playing their tails off. They had an incredible game against, against the Saints last week. And if they go out there and do that against the, the 49ers, I don't know that there's a whole lot that San Francisco can do to really counter it. It's going to, you know, they're going to have to minimize. Like if they get pressure on Jimmy G and they can slow down that run game, uh, it's going to be tough to, to storm back against the Vikings, I think, if you're San Francisco. So I like I like Minnesota as a, as a, as a team that could go out west and, and pull off an upset. I would say, too, that the Titans are interesting because, to me, they have a chance to win if they can get up in the first quarter. And I know that sounds – like whoever's leading in the first quarter probably wins yeah. sounds kind of dumb. But, like, the Titans, if they can get a lead over Baltimore – and be able to get downhill with Derrick Henry for the rest of the game, shorten the game clock, force Lamar Jackson to be one-dimensional as a passer and, and, and really try and get him out of his element and try to make force him to make plays outside the structure of that offense, then I think that they could pull off the upset. But if they get down to Baltimore, conversely, it's going to be really tough to come back because that Ravens secondary is excellent and as good as Ryan Tannehill's been, I don't know that they can lean on him wholly. They need a lot of balance and a lot of run to win that game. Tom Brady is no longer in the playoffs, but sounds like a man who is not ready to retire. And meanwhile, Bob Kraft has said, oh, yeah, either Tom's going to retire or he should be with the Patriots. Like, there's no third option. And yet it sounds like, you know, Bill Belichick isn't sure or there's some other potentially complicating factor out there. What do you make of Tom Brady's Instagram post? He turns 43 years old this summer. It doesn't sound like it's the end. But uh, Bill Belichick has been, what, notoriously unsentimental, right, with his personnel decisions in the past. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the story of the offseason, right? I mean, look, Tom Brady wants to come back. I think if he had his druthers, he would come back with the Patriots, and the Patriots would do sufficient work this offseason to get him some weapons. I mean, I don't blame the Patriots' loss in the postseason or the Patriots' struggles on offense this year on Tom Brady. I thought he was – I mean, he wasn't you – know, he wasn't – Pete 2007 Tom Brady, but I mean, who amongst us at <laughs> in our early 40s or are you know are playing like we're 30? Um, I, you know, I think that uh, I think they needed they need help. The run game wasn't great. The offensive line wasn't great. The weapons were just flat out bad. If we're being honest, I mean, look, Jacoby Myers. I love Jacoby Myers. He's a great player, and I think he'll eventually develop into a great pro. But if you're leaning on an undrafted free agent rookie, you know, maybe maybe that's not going to work out well for you. Uh, so I, I think he wants to come back and he wants to have weapons around him. And ultimately it's going to come down to is, you know, is can Robert Kraft convince Bill Belichick to maybe go outside the box of what he normally would want to do and, and give Tom Brady some extra money. Can, you know, can will Bill Belichick, you know, look at this as the best option. Does he believe economically it's time to move on? And if he does, and he ultimately has final say, and he can tell, 
Bob Kraft, that's what's happening, then Tom Brady, he may, he may tell Tom Brady, hey, look, man, go out, sh- you know, shop around, look at, look at, see what you get on the free agent market, then come back to us and let's, let's talk. I mean, that's what they've done a lot in sort of a, not a call your bluff kind of way, but like, hey, you know, like, you know, I know you think you're worth this much, but go see what the market will give you and then let's talk. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that works out where Nate Solder gets a huge pile of cash from the Giants. And sometimes it works out where, you know, player X comes back and ends up re-signing with the Patriots because the, the, the money wasn't that great on the open market. So I, I don't think that'll be the case with Brady. I think, he, I think he can get a lot of money from, you know, whether it's the Chargers or the Raiders or the Colts or somebody who wants to, you know, make a splash with Tom Brady and, and go all in. I, I think he can get paid out there. It's going to come down to will Bill Belichick be willing to meet him halfway. And if he, if he doesn't, then maybe we see Brady in a different uniform. To the Panthers, everyone agrees that Matt Rule deserves a whole lot of credit for those turnarounds at Temple and Baylor at the college level. But everybody also knows that there are more nightmares and failures of college coaches trying to make that jump to the NFL. Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, and many, many more couldn't pull it off. Are you concerned as a guy who follows the NFL for a living that 20 of Matt Rule's 21 seasons in coaching happened at the college level? Or do you believe he has a skill set that he'd be one of those like a Jimmy Johnson or Barry Switzer or Pete Carroll that does pull it off? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Matt Rule, he sort of embodies what you want in terms of a college coach making the leap, right? And I think that Greg Roman was a popular name amongst um, some folks who, who are Panthers fans or uh, people who, who follow the team, and, and I get it. I, I think the thing about Matt Rule that's interesting versus a Greg Roman type or even maybe a Josh McDaniels type is you're not buying a guy. You're not paying for a guy who's, you know, I mean, like he obviously knows what he's doing from an X's and O's standpoint, but he didn't hang his hat on X's and O's. You know, Matt Rule hangs his hat on building a program, which he did at Temple, um, which he did at Baylor, you know, took spot, I mean, Temple and ba- like Temple had just gone four and seven and had Steve Adazio had gotten hired away to BC, oddly right. enough, uh, when he came there. Baylor was in the middle of, you know, in a, one of the lowest points that we've seen a football program or school be in the past 10 years. And it's not like Matt Rule fixed Baylor or anything, but he did, you know, go in there and, and win 11 games within a couple of years. So th- I think this is a guy who knows how to think outside of the box in terms of building a program. He is a CEO type. I think that's what that's what smart owners want to hire these days. You don't want a whiz kid. like Sean McVay. The problem with the Sean McVay rash of hirings is that people ignore that Sean McVay, while an offensive savant, is also a CEO type and a leader type. He's just sort of a unicorn. You can't go hire somebody who works with him and expect him to be a magical leader who can manage well. I mean, that's those are qualities that you have to identify individually not as a result of osmosis, right? And I think Matt Rule fits that bill in terms of being charismatic, being a CEO type, understanding leadership, understanding that you know you hear him talk about the way he built at Baylor and sort of, you know, they, they tailor their approach to the personnel that they have. Um, they also look for certain qualities uh, in players, you know, that, that, that involves the draft, et cetera. I just think he has that sort of fit in terms of personality and in terms of program building that can work at the NFL level. His name is Will Brinson. Check out his Pick 6 podcast. Follow his work at cbssports.com as a senior NFL writer and follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Enjoy another fun-filled weekend, man. Thanks, as always, for the time and expertise on the David Glenn Show.
You got it, Dave. Have a great week, man. You too. Right back at you. 1-800-849-2761. More college basketball with your calls and Mike DeCourcy as he drops by the Hall of Famer from the Sporting News in about 45 minutes. More college football with your calls and Eric McLean, the former Clemson offensive lineman and team captain. Now with the ACC Network, we'll talk LSU versus Clemson in the Battle of the Tigers Monday night for the national championship. On the other side, time for more of your calls. And did you hear that Wake Forest quarterback Jamie Newman has spoken? High school star here in Graham, North Carolina. Relatively unheralded recruit signed by Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Redshirted, waited his turn with the Demon Deacons, barely played even after his redshirt season. Didn't even play his third year until the guy in front of him got hurt. But then in 2019, and really the end of 2018, had the breakthrough of a lifetime. Why wouldn't you finish your career in the state or at the school that helped make you famous? Well, Jamie Newman actually answered that question. He spoke with Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, among others. And the story about where Jamie is right now, like school starts at Wake again in a few days, right? He's, he, he's going to be a grad transfer. So you got to tie up the loose ends academically at your previous school just to be eligible at your new school, wherever that turns out to be. And it might be Oregon. It might be Georgia. He's even looking at Miami in the ACC. What did Jamie say about this unconventional set of circumstances? And why wouldn't he just stay at the school that helped make him famous and turned him into an NFL draft prospect. That story with more of your calls, college hoops still to come as well. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? I like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Eric McLean of the ACC Network on college football in less than 10 minutes. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, the Hall of Famer on college hoops in about 40 minutes. Y'all know that three of the four quarterbacks in the college football playoff this year were transfers. Joe Burrow of LSU, formerly Ohio State. Justin Fields of Ohio State, formerly of Georgia. Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, formerly of Alabama. Only Trevor Lawrence of Clemson is homegrown, so to speak. Jamie Newman is leaving Wake Forest. We all knew in part because it's hard for Wake Forest to convince him we can put you on that kind of stage, right? Not only is it historically difficult for the Demon Deacons, they're stuck in the same division as the Clemson Tigers. Like, good luck trying to win your division, much less a conference title, much less a trip to the college football playoff. Jamie Newman, in one of the more interesting articles I've read on any sport today, spoke to Bruce Feldman of The Athletic. And the month after, how's this for a juxtaposition? On December 1st, the Wake Forest official football account tweeted out with a big happy photo of Jamie Newman. Happy, happy birthday, Jamie. That was December 1st. On December 31st, the same official Wake football account tweeted out Dave Clawson's quote, Jamie just informed me that he will be finishing his eligibility at another school. We wish him well and thank him for his contributions. That was the same Twitter account 30 days apart. That's how quickly stuff changes. Jamie, I'm sure, would like the possibility of a bigger, bigger platform at Oregon, where Justin Herbert is a senior and moving to the NFL, or wherever else, Georgia, etc. He also added this, that RPO, run-pass option game at Wake is cool, 
but that's only a little bit of what they do in the NFL. And I think I need to work a little bit more on pro concepts, being able to check protections and stuff like that. I do think most of my teammates understood my decision. A little bit more light on that. Eric McLean from the ACC Network next. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show.